0: Got an internship opportunity for anyone that is really good at organization and staying on top of things and computer skills. If you go to pastorwithnoanswers.com, click on job, read the information, hope to hear from some of you guys. And then lastly, want to let y'all know that uh, I just wanna, you know, kinda thank the patrons of the Pastor with No Answers uh, Patreon. And uh, it's pretty cool I just shared with them like all my favorite songs on itunes because now you like stream and digital stuff allows you to do so much so anyway if any of you are interested in supporting this podcast at a deeper level than just listening do so by going to pastorwithnoanswers.com and uh there's a place for you to check out some of our perks but we appreciate all of you for listening and hope you enjoy this halloween edition pastor with no answers (laughs) Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Well, you are listening to The Pastor With No Answers, and we have a guest on today that I'm rather excited about. Uh, Dr. James and I, we've known each other for a while because he's been coming to the church that I pastor. (coughs) Lots of interesting stuff that he could share, but what I'm going to want to do today is kind of hone in on a ghost story. i'm super excited about but before we even get into ghosts a lot of people think that's crazy talk off the top and so they've already written you off as a madman so let's (laughs) let's go ahead and fix that and uh build a little integrity uh credibility with our with our audience because some people still won't buy a ghost story but let's at least let them know that you're not a crazy person
1: (laughs) well you know thank you and i I grew up in uh, iowa nebraska and we didn't believe in ghosts yeah um so this is something new when I moved to Charleston, but I yeah I grew up in the Midwest, born in Sioux City, Iowa. Grew up in kind of the Omaha, Nebraska area, yeah. Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, went to undergrad there, then uh, went to dental school in Nebraska, and then went out to Portland, Oregon. and got my uh, finished my residency in oral and max facial surgery. Yep. and then so uh, what kind of surgery did you say again? It's uh, oral and yeah. maxillofacial surgery.
0: And and don't you aren't you in your specialty TMJ? I do a lot in TMJ,
1: correct? Yeah, gotcha. And then um, I went back to medical school and got my medical degree at Creighton, and then um, did general surgery residency, and then I did head, neck, ENT, and then did a fellowship in craniofacial plastics at Harvard, Yeah, and um, and then went into private practice, eventually became chairman at Oregon Health Science University, Right, uh, and then went back into private practice in 2000, which I've been ever since. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and so, yeah, I've I've really um, been able to cut my practice down because I've also developed uh, been co-founder of several technology companies. Yeah. And, and okay. Uh, so
0: not only are you not mad, but you you are also pretty smart.
1: <laughs> um, well, the 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 brains the only brains I have were the brains that my dad gave me and mom that said hire really smart people. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So I've been able to. We've been able to find, uh, really, through the Lord, uh, you know, geniuses that are strong Christians. Uh, yeah. So there are geniuses that are strong Christians. Uh, yeah. yeah. That understand that God is the greatest uh, engineer and the greatest scientist. Uh, yeah. And that, as I told a patient the other day, they said, "You must be really smart. You have two doctor degrees." And I said, "No, I'm pretty stupid." He said, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, if you stay humble before Christ, you realize that every level of education that you go through, that the more you know, the more you know, the more you don't know. There's yeah. m- just more questions." Yeah. Uh, and you realize you actually get smaller. The more you know, the, the smaller that you really realize that you are. Yeah. And that there's so much to know. Yeah. And that's the sure. fun part of life is continue to learn and grow. And and so that's all my life is. And, and um, when I when I gave my life to Christ 24-7, um, my, my only prayer really every day uh, is that God will use me to His will to serve His kingdom? That's all. Yeah. I, that's all I desire. Yeah. And um, He knows what we need and what we want. Yeah. And so,
0: so yeah. you came up to me Sunday and uh, asked if I wanted to go to Greenville. What were you doing in Greenville?
1: So I had a U.S. Uh, congressman uh, came to town and talked about our technology on Friday, and she said, "How would you like to co-host uh, President Trump coming to Greenville with Governor McMaster?" So. Uh, a friend of ours um, uh, actually said, "Oh, I've got a private plane. Let me fly up there." So we flew up <laughs> on Monday, and uh, unfortunately, President Trump was more than an hour late, so we didn't get a, a lot of FaceTime. We did listen to a really nice talk he gave. So you would uh, you would have let me hop on that private jet with sh- you? I absolutely, I sure would have. <laughs> I, I just couldn't quite get a hold of you. <laughs> and uh, and then the governor came out, but I got to meet a lot of people with the state and. Uh, talk about a lot of the, the things that we want to try to accomplish. Uh, yeah. Especially outreach with children and yeah. education. And, and one of the things I'm involved in, uh, with, uh, dance and art and, awesome. and music. So very yeah, cool. Yeah.
0: All right. So if I'm not mistaken, this, this house that we're going to be talking about, is it part of rainbow row?
1: No, it's okay. actually, um, but it was, uh, a home on the water before the battery is built. So, okay. in, so in 1690, yeah, we actually have a map from 1690 <coughs> that shows that really... I mean, every- you, you already have me at 1690. I'm yeah. so excited yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. So this map, which is in our house, yeah. <coughs> it actually shows that the land that our house sits on was a very s- small strip of land. It was called the Ferguson Farm. It was outside the walled city. So in 1690, there was a walled city. Yeah. The wall- Atlantic Street, there was no battery. There was no battery park. And, um. and just for reference, for
0: you non-Charlestonians, the Battery is basically where the Charleston Harbor uh, comes up on the main—I don't know what we call it, the main peninsula. I mean, the yeah. where you know, and there's super nice houses. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. extraordinary houses. Maybe a lot of people have seen uh, some some paintings of yeah. uh, like storms coming up and washing in, Washington, but yeah, super yeah. nice part of town.
1: So they, yeah, the Battery's built. Um, Really, uh, I believe it was in the 1800s. Um, so part of that, when our house, uh, when the original carriage house that we have now was actually the Ferguson Farmhouse. <coughs> and then to get to our house in Walled City, Atlantic Street was an inlet of water. So there wasn't even a road there. Mm-hmm. Had to go over a bridge. The rest of the whole peninsula was a swamp.
0: Gosh. And th- you're still in 1690 right now?
1: So that's the 1690. Yeah. All a swamp. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So then the Fenwicks decided they wanted to move to Charleston. And because they were British royalty, the Charlestonians said, well, no, you're British royalty. You can't build inside the walled city. Yep. So they bought the little Ferguson farm and they built these three houses together for security in which our house is the middle house. Okay. And uh, that was built in the early 1700s and then repaired later on in the 1700s after earthquakes and fires right. and things like that. Right. Um, so then uh, we purchased the house in 2004 um, I brought historians in and you know archaeologists and said, "Tell us what we need to do to, to take it back to the original everything." Yeah. So we literally took out 104 dumpsters of stuff they had added over 300 some years, like construction stuff. Yeah, everything Gosh. from uh, old carpeting to uh, false walls and false ceilings. To pr- yeah. What they did is they they actually put false ceilings in to protect the regular ceilings. Gotcha. From during the war and the lighting and everything. They would, then they would put false walls in to protect the, uh, you know, the fireplaces or whatever. So um, we tore, you know, we tore all that out. And every time the the builder would call me, he said, you won't believe what we found today. (laughs) And they kept finding these beautiful treasures behind these false walls. Like what? Well, they found uh, in the carrier's house a a uh, walk-in, basically a place uh, uh, where they would cook over a big pot. They would hang the pot. But, it, but you actually could walk in. It was so tall. And it had a brick bread oven next to it that was covered by moldy she rock. Gosh. And, uh, and you just kept finding the stuff. So we just kept restoring it and restoring it. Uh, then they said, oh, by the way, we just realized. The historian said, you all have a five-story atrium in the middle of your house. They designed back in the 1600s. So light would pour through. And they'd have balconies. And you had a tunnel through your house where the horses were kept in the back. Ours was the middle house. So they would go, go out to war. They would actually go through a tunnel through the house, and all the people could overlook the balcony. The mom and the kids could watch dad go out to war and come back through this tunnel that went through the house. Right. So we tore all that out and restored it all. Found the beams, outlined it, and had Philip Simmons students, you know, do the iron work and build the balconies. And so uh, it's kind of it was a lot, lot, lot of fun restoring it. But one night, you know, we didn't have power at first, and the the person that had lived there. 15 years prior, in other words, the house was empty for 15 years, um, was a very interesting lady. She was actually the right-hand woman of Charles de Gaulle Charles de Gaulle during the war, Wow! but she was also a spy for Churchill. Really? Yes, and a very interesting lady, and she was also an artist. So, so this is 15 years before 2004? That's correct. Okay, gotcha. So it had been empty for 15 years yeah. in the family estate. Son lived in, in New York. So she actually had, the, the walls were filled full of art. I didn't know how well-known she was, but it ends up that she was pretty famous in Europe. matter of fact, two of her paintings that he allowed us to pick six, two of them we found on the back were certificates that, that it hung in the Louvre in Paris. Right. And so, um, anyway, so after he cleaned everything out, uh, we had a builder who was a very down-to-earth, very nice guy, and quiet guy. And he called me one night and he said, Dr. Yanni, I am never coming down here at night ever again (laughs) (laughs) and I said why Ryan he said you know that huge mirror that is like built into your wall uh, there's somebody behind it and I said what do you mean Ryan I said well I was walking out I heard this woman's voice she said her name was Rebecca please help me and I looked over and there was a finger writing backwards in the mirror please help me so this is this Ryan is a trustworthy person someone you know very trustworthy Yeah, I've known him for years um, very humble quiet man yeah you know, high integrity, and he was scared to death. Yeah. So,
0: so she said, please help me, and then she wrote?
1: She was writing, as she was saying, she was writing, please help me, in the mirror backwards. Gosh. From inside the mirror. Did you believe him at first? Well, I, the only reason I believed him was because it was him. Right, I mean, right. He had no reason to lie. Right. And I could tell he was just scared to death by yeah. his voice. And so, of course, we went down the next day, brought our minister down. Who was not you at the time, Joe. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was in 2005. I would have loved 2005. it. 2005, <laughs> uh, And we had these, like, several guys. It was really difficult to get the Americans built into the wall. Yeah. Got out of the wall. What happened was because they, it was swamps, they would bury people in the walls. What? Because they, they couldn't bury them in the swamp. You know, they would just float to the surface. They, they couldn't go out and dig in the swamp. So they would actually bury them in the walls. Uh, matter of fact, people th- were they
0: embalmed because it seemed like that that smell would start to um, get in the house. They
1: were, but I'm not sure if they used to embalm them. Gotcha. Uh, and everything that they embalmed them with was really deteriorated and filled with silt. Yeah. Uh, they they said they used some some sort of a, a protein based balm oil back then. Yeah. Uh, and so when they took the mirror down, sure enough, there was an inset, and here was this you know, skeleton there. And so through research, the historians that were researching and actually written a book about our house uh, found out it was Rebecca. She was 15 years old and died of malaria and they buried her in the wall. So the minister um, blessed her and prayed over her and he went through the whole house praying and anointing each room.
0: So do, do y'all know who Rebecca is? Yes. Who, who's the, I may have missed that.
1: Yeah, so Rebecca was uh, a Fenwick.
0: She and was the famous one with all the Paintings and everything?
1: No, no. Okay. No, no. This was a, a child of the Fenway. Okay. Gotcha. Back in the, when they, when they bought the house gotcha. or built the house. Gotcha. So they, um, so s- after that, we put the mirror back, didn't touch the bone, sealed it back again and never heard from Rebecca again. Yeah. So then we noticed. So you helped her. We helped her. <laughs> she just needed a prayer. <laughs> she, <That's> needed, <laughs> she needed a prayer to move on. <laughs> so then, uh, and this is, this is from a Midwest guy who like, really? Right. <laughs> Ghosts? Right. I didn't really believe they necessarily existed, although, you know, you hear about all kinds of stories, but I'd never experienced it. Right. My children would see things, but I wouldn't see them. Right. And so I um, was there one night and we were digging under the kitchen uh, for relics, which we find all kinds of little fun treasures. And uh, and we started hearing some major noise coming from the staircase that appeared to be towards the top of the house. Yeah. And it sounded like soldiers marching and lo and behold we realized in about five minutes it is soldiers marching in our house. (laughs) And we started thinking about well our house was on the front line of all those wars because there was no battery. So we're on church street, it's the last block of church street. And so our house is on the water. Right. Matter of fact we found tunnels that went one that went to the gazebo in the park and one went to the ocean. Where they could escape during the war. Are you going to take me to your house? That's yeah, I'd love yeah. to see all yeah. this. And then we found it. We found an original wall where it looked like there was a cannon turret. We rebuilt the wall under our house, and and now we have an anti-terrorism down terrorism room down there that we've now built. It's kind <laughs> of fun. Um, but um, so y'all are all hearing soldiers marching. Yes, like down the stairwell, or no, just one place, like gotcha. in, pl- in place. And we did find a lot of medicinal bottles and swords and guns and things in the yard. Things that had been buried that we found. That were you know remnants from the war, uh, we even found slave tags then um, we found a youth slave tag which they said is extremely rare. Uh, found a lot of like mother pearl test tubes for wine testing, so um, were China other kinds of you know jackets. Yeah. Um,
0: so, so, anyway. so, this is how many people were hearing this at the same time, just uh sherry and myself, okay, yeah, so two people, and heard we had, the same we had thing. not even had a glass of wine yet, right, so. no weed or anything no, <laughs> no no, uh,
1: I was one of those weedless guys growing up i yeah. was I was one of these guys who always tried to please his parents, and I was always tried to be the the good guy, you know? yeah, were y'all both did y'all both have like conversations
0: like, are we really hearing we this? did, yeah.
1: yeah, and i we just looked at each other and we were like stunned at 1st we you're kind of a, afraid. And then we decided to leave, and then we decided this was like 10:30 at night, precisely. Yeah. So precisely 10:30 at night, every night this would occur for about a half an hour. So the people said, some people we talked to said, "Well, shall bring over more people to hear it or hey. Is uh, we anybody? did. The, the builder heard it. Um, there was a couple of friends that heard it, and so and they told us that "Well, we were told that once you put the Wi-Fi in, that all that stuff would stop." Yeah. So you know we weren't living there at the time. So when we moved in, we put the Wi-Fi in, and sure enough, it did stop. Why? What? Well, what's the they think the Wi-Fi there? might interfere with the you know, electron cloud or whatever it is that's producing all this? Okay. And uh, some sort of electrical interference with it. And uh, but it didn't stop everything. So yeah. We still had one more. Well, actually, two more ghosts that we encountered. Yeah. So once we encounter,
0: mo- yes. Gotcha. Uh,
1: so one of them. Um, Above us, you know, Ramsey, one of our daughters, was right above our uh, bedroom. Yeah. And when we bought the house, I noticed that the closet door looked like it could have been a prison for soldiers during the war because it had a cutout where there'd be a, maybe a little uh, window and, uh, you know, maybe bars or whatever right. and had been filled in. So, sure enough, that first night um, at three thirty in the morning, we heard this loud crash and then we heard like chains clanging as like somebody's being dragged across the floor with a ball and chain. So I ran upstairs, Ramsey was asleep, and her closet door was wide open. She's how old-ish? Uh, so she would have been um, about 12 at the time. Okay. Yeah. No, no, actually about 14. So then I um, said, well, okay. Tomorrow night, I'm going to shut the door, make sure I shut it when she goes to sleep, and I'm going to move her wooden chest in front of it." So I did. Yeah. 3.30, same thing, ran upstairs, wooden chest was moved, the door was open, and Ramsey asleep. asleep. This went on every single night at 3.30 God. in the morning. We just kept hearing and hearing it, and, I mean, it was very clear to both my wife and I at the time, and we just eventually... Um, and Ramsey, who's your daughter, did she ever wake up? Never will come. Wow. Now, Ferris would wake up and come down and say, would you please tell the guy in my closet, which is the room across the hall, to quit bothering me and quit staring at me when I'm trying to go to sleep. So the guy, another and, guy,
0: and this is a ghost. Another yeah, ghost. And uh, is, that's another daughter. Another daughter. Yeah.
1: Okay. So she's just fine with it being a ghost. Yeah. Oh, they were used to because uh, actually, a house before we lived on Colonial Lake, uh, they were used to another ghost. Mr. Wagner was the ghost. <laughs> How there. do you
0: get used to ghosts? Oh, my god. well, because he realized they're not
1: going to hurt you. <laughs> right. And once you talk to him, like Mr. Wagner seemed to respond to them. He, you know, they would. He would kind of hang out, and they would just tell him to go away they were trying to study or whatever and and um, and again, as a, for some reason an adult or just me in person, I, I would never see him, but they were clearly seeing him or i 'd come in where he would be spinning them on their chairs. they'd say, "Please tell him to quit spinning our chairs and i 'd tell him to stop, and the, ch- the chairs would quit spinning so i I would see the actions yeah it was very very, very strange, so something about my children could see it, but i couldn 't so then um, we just got used to it I think we just started sleeping through it um, and then we had people that would stay in our carriage house and everybody kept telling me you know when we walk in the dining room that we always feel this kind of this breeze we feel there's somebody in there watching and again I, I couldn't see it so we this couple who rented our, our carriage house their their macho sons were coming to town and they said um, we told them the stories of the ghosts and they didn't believe it all they said oh right. that, that does not exist we're from Michigan and that never happens yeah and so the next day they said, it happened. <laughs> and we said, what did you experience? Well, to get to the carriage house, you walked through the tunnel. So they walked through the tunnel. We call it the Pirate's Tunnel because of these old pirate locks. Yeah. Down there. And on the other side of the tunnel is the dining room windows facing their back. And they heard somebody tap on the windows. And they turned and looked, and there was two women that were ghosts that were floating in the air that were tapping on the window. And they... Made some, you know, you know, you could make a lot of money <laughs>
0: by <laughs> charging admission. Yeah, yeah,
1: and so scared to death, and, right? And they swore they hadn't hadn't drank very much. So, um, and and again, you know, people do feel that. Yeah, in the house. So we've had the minister over several times, you know, after that, and the next year praying and and anointing and blessing the house. Yeah. and
0: so so as a Christian, do you see this as angelic or demonic, or do you think that there is such thing as Wandering spirits that are
1: confused, or I think th- I think they're wandering spirits that may be uh, stuck in the atmosphere. For example, when I was at the University of Nebraska undergraduate, we had a speaker from Stanford University, of Stanford, Connecticut, mm-hmm. um, who was a nuclear physicist as well as a minister, and he started studying uh, energy uh, clouds, electron clouds. And he went out to grave sites, and and he could tell you who just died the day before because this very advanced electron camera he had created in his lab could show electron clouds floating above graves. And he was very accurate. He said because he theoretically thought that there was a transition time when we would go to heaven. In the the church I grew up in, which is Greek Orthodox, uh, in our church, we believe that people transition over 40 days yeah this was a 40-day period until they actually go to heaven that they're so 40 40 day ghost transition period it could be ghost, yeah (laughs) but these these spirits get their spirit or the soul gets stuck for some reason and and so and he showed us all these electron clouds and he would confirm that that's they had died within those 40 days Um, and so you know, that's that's one thought. I mean, I, I know my father passed away. We went to his home that night, and that's back in Iowa, and, and my uncle was upstairs. I was downstairs. And we heard um, noise. We saw lights go on and off, and he thought it was me. I thought it was him. Yeah. And then we said, it must have been my father because it was the same kind of pattern how he walked and everything. And, and, you know, you just feel somebody's presence. Right. And, um, you know, my uh, brother at the time... Uh, my grandmother died he said he clearly he and my cousin both my grandmother visited him the day that she died and they didn't know she had died nobody knows she had died yeah and, and so when she and they called my mother at home and said we think grandma must have something must have happened to her because she visited us in our classrooms you know just kind of oh, wow. and told us she loved us and then yeah of disappeared so there's, there's obviously we don't understand all that what exactly what happens but but I think that's why in the church there at least the church I grew up and that's what they, they believed so I, I guess one theory would be that, you know, they're, they're stuck for yeah. some reason.
0: I mean, the first time I heard about your house, your son, Hayes, literally said it like it was just second nature to him. He was just like, yeah, I mean, you know, and the yeah. ghosts, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. what did you just yeah. say? He's yeah. like, oh, there's ghosts in our house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. you've got to tell me more. So this is such a, a just a normal thing for you guys at this point, well, having been yeah. used to it for so long. I mean, yeah. is this something that, like, if you were to have me over for dinner and we s- stay up later talking, that it it would uh, reveal itself to people that don't live there, or yeah. how does that work? Probably at three, three in
1: the morning, the, you probably hear the ball and chain right. clanging. So this is every night. I, I you know, honestly, I haven't w- woken lately, right? Because I go to bed usually pretty late. Right. Mid- so
0: you still live there?
1: Yes. Gotcha. Um so I can't confirm it's still going on because I, I, I think I sleep through it now so when you realize it's not something to be fearful of right? so the only time I've ever been in a situation where there was fear was uh, where I think it was demonic uh, on the Gree street um, on a Sunday afternoon, beautiful blue sky people walking in the streets all of a sudden I felt this darkness and we looked to our left we felt this oppression and we looked to our left And there was gargoyles and this old, spooky brick mansion. Big, huge home on the Grease Street. Uh, And it had pineapples on the gates. We remember that. So we went back to Orange Street, where we lived at the time. And the people next door had grown up there. And and it was the Morrisons. And we we said, uh, Mary and Hagan, I said, Mary, do you know anything about this house on the Grease Street? And It's got pineapples on the gates. Oh, the Pineapple Gate house. Yes, uh, I grew up there. Uh, And... She told us stories of very, very, very scary stories yeah. that, that drove her parents uh, into alcoholism to the point where they couldn't sell the house and they had to get out of there because it was every night. They, they, they wouldn't go above the second floor because the third and fourth floor were so haunted with very, very evil spirits that, uh, that would attack them. Right. So they finally just left, uh, left to the grandparents. Since that time period, that house had a lot of evilness there was a, a guy who was an artist from New York who bought it, who ended up being um, uh, a Satan cultist priest and actually was yeah. not doing good things in the house. Yeah. And um, so what happened was they um, eventually a couple, when they arrested the guy and got rid of him, the house sat empty for many years. A couple came to town and put about $20 million of what I was told, cleaned the house out of everything that could be possibly evil, kind of gutted the house, uh readed the whole yard, made it bright and beautiful, uh as a present to Charleston, because 'cause they've never lived there ever since. They just wow. they got rid of all the satanic uh everything the the drawings, the everything. And uh, had priests come in and pray over it and, you know, try to exercise it or whatever they were doing to yeah. rid it of evil spirits. Yeah. Um so you know, I, so there, I think there really is that yeah. presence in some place. Now, the so. ghosts that are at
0: your house, do they ever try to interact with you in a, a nice way? Because they're obviously not evil; they're not trying to hurt you, you or scare you. You know, for some you. reason, the ghosts
1: that have been there, other than the ones that were floating in the dining room, uh, who I've never seen, um, it's just kind of a repetitive thing. It's like they're stuck. Because I've never really felt like they've tried to reach out. I do think my daughter, uh, Ferris, in her room, the guy coming out of the closet, was maybe trying to reach out to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's back there now temporarily in between jobs, and she hasn't really mentioned that she's seen it lately. So mm-hmm. I do think that um, our minister coming in you know, years ago and blessing the house and anointing each room and praying over each room probably made a big difference. Yeah. Um, yeah, When we first moved to town, we were looking for a home, and I remember, in, and I didn't, again, I didn't believe in ghosts, and I remember we looked at, it. I was going to meet the realtor on Trad Street, and um, it was a home that had been empty for, again, he said, I think about 20 years, no electricity in the house, it was, it was empty, and I, I thought he was there, the door was open, so I walked in, and no furniture was barren, and I noticed that every step I took, there's somebody above me taking the same exact steps at the same pace. Mm. And this kind of went on. I yelled his name out and no response. I went in the kitchen. All of a sudden, I saw the lights flickering and the fan spinning. I, think, I thought there you know, there's no power in this house. So I was getting kind of a little, a little concerned. So I went outside, and all of a sudden, he pulled up. And I said, Chuck, I think there's somebody in this house. I mean, the fan is... Going, you know, on and you said you called his name, like what? No, I called his name Chuck. His, the oh, gotcha. So the real name is Chuck, so I gotcha. called him Chuck. Gotcha. So then he he arrived and I told him what I experienced and he and he said, Oh, that's the colonel. Okay. He mean. Oh no, yeah, he, he's a ghost, he lives in the house and he always gives people a hard time. But, but what would you say about the kitchen? I said, Well the fan was going on and off and the lights were flickering. He goes, No, that's impossible. There there's no power in the house. And so he walked in, and he's talking to you know the colonel. We get in the kitchen, and he saw the lights flickering, and his hair stood up. And he goes like, "All right, he's super active. This is probably not a good time to be here." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we left. Wow. I say we're probably not interested in this house. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. So, are, would are you open about this, like in the science community? I mean, you're you're very bright guy. You uh, a science-minded guy. You work on people's bodies for crying out loud so you're you're not like just this mystic pot smoking you know hippie guy that likes to fantasize about ghosts like you're in the science community if you opened right. up to you know peers yeah. w- would well would I you get t- persecuted I, for it
1: no, no I, I tell him I look at it I said anybody who's honest as a physician scientist whatever you're involved in the science world um, there's so much you don't know in that world it's the same thing I just said is I don't necessarily understand it and so they, they can accept that yeah and I think most people it's funny you know it's it's, it's amazing how people try to make it uh, uneasy or <clears throat> it's not appropriate to talk about your spiritual beliefs and your beliefs in God at the workplace or wherever and I, and I always tell people I said gosh it's the most important thing in your life why wouldn't you talk about it mm-hmm. why isn't it part of your dialogue and talking to patients or talking to people right? if that's if you if that is the basis of your belief or maybe or at least utilize what your belief system is and how you conduct your practice. I mean I, I remember years ago I ran into a, a cardiologist who went to my prior church and in uh, the airport in Atlanta and I and I said oh wh- where are you coming from me so I was at an ethics uh, meeting for medicine I said oh well gosh that's great then you must be really Basing every all your decisions on ethics and morals and medicine on, on uh, biblical you know, uh, wisdom. And he said, no. <laughs> and I said, well, why not? And he, well, I know what we doing right and wrong. I said, well, how do you know that? What's your reference point? Well, I said, well, isn't your reference point God's wisdom? Right. And he said, well, yeah, maybe it is. I said, I said, so why is it so hard to discuss that? Yeah. I said, I talk to people who are claim they're not Christians, I say, well, gosh, just read Proverbs. Start with Proverbs. Let's talk about wisdom. Right. And see how it differs from the world's wisdom. Yeah. And uh, most people I run into, when when you really, I always tell people, I said, you know, when I take the facade down, I said, there's no power in ego and status. There's only power in being humble and vulnerable to the truth before the Lord. Mm -hmm. So when I'm humble and vulnerable and tell the truth about my life, that no matter how much money you think I have or don't have, or what do you think I have or don't have, Everybody has challenges in life every day, right? And the more you try to do in life, the more challenges you're going to have And so what I think what God looks at is just how are you handling those challenges? And so when I make myself vulnerable before people and tell them, you know, my life's not perfect I have challenges then the facade comes down and it's amazing the people and the pain they're going through and the suffering yeah, and then by doing that they're ready to receive the discussion and uh, and I've seen that with people from all walks of life where they just want to be real and, and and I've I've met people who um said, Gosh, how'd how'd you get that out of my best friend I've known for twenty five mm-hmm. years. He's never told me those things about his life. Right. And you got out of him in five minutes. It was and I said well, it was about just being vulnerable to the right. truth and bringing down the facade. Yeah. Um there's a great book called The uh, Millionaire Next Door uh that really talks about that. Yeah. And uh so um yeah you know, I think everything in life for me it's been uh, growth, and I've seen it happen in my practice. I've, uh, I use my practice as a ministry, even surgeries. Um, there's things that have happened in the operating room where I've made a covenant with the Lord, and I mean, he'll stop major blood vessels from bleeding in front of everybody's eyes, and people are just astonished. I said, well, God said the faith of Mar- muster seek can move a mountain, so yeah. why are you astonished? And so, and I said, it's not me. It's not about me. It's, you know, the Lord wants us to seek purity you know, in our soul and everything that we do every day, 24-7, that we're always... You know, the Bible says, you know, we're not good, but we should strive to be good. So just striving every day. And the way, and so I I try to armor myself with God's wisdom every morning, 5 Mm a.m., and then just try to put that in my life. So uh, about 30 years ago, I decided that, you know, I'm not a halfway guy or a 99% guy, I'm a 100% guy. So I said, so I want to read the Bible every year, for the rest of my life, wow. so I've written, I read through thirty years in a row, three hundred sixty-five day Bible. I read the Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs every day, and so I know I, I, today I have read, read the same things the last thirty years. Dang, and that's but intense. every year as I as I grow as a person, it actually um, means something different every year, and God opens my eyes more clearly. So now I feel like I'm Joshua standing there with three hundred soldiers, and Heaven's armies are coming ahead of me, and wiping out hundreds of thousands of soldiers, you start, you start to actually live it, and you realize that um, there's so much more to every word that God says, That, and, and, and you receive it differently when your life changes. And so yeah. that's, why, that's why I'm always reading the Bible. And then I've got these interesting Bibles from the 1700s that they're big Bibles that the pages are quite large. The top 20% is Scripture, and the bottom 80% is describing the derivation of every single word. So in those Bibles from the 1700s, it describes dinosaurs to a T. Wow. The beasts we talk about today in the Bible. Yeah. With the, the tails like the cedars of Lebanon, they, they describe bonasauruses in these Bibles in the 1700s. They yeah. describe dragons with two chambers in their skulls that mix gases to produce fire. And, and that so it's much more descriptive in these in the Bibles from the 1700s before. That's why we know that you know, dinosaurs aren't that old. Uh, matter of fact, we do carbon dating, and this is where we can mix a lot of our belief system with scientists. So we have a lot of genius scientists that are very very strong Christians, and we'll, yeah. we'll go to these evolution creation meetings. By the end of the meetings, the evolutionists will say, "Well, we have to have something to tell you know, atheists," <laughs> <laughs> right? And and so we'll we'll see. And we can show the facts. Like when you carbon date a mountain lion that di- died an hour ago, well, carbon dating says it died 45,000 years ago. So a lot of this stuff is really inaccurate. Um, you know, the, the geological crevices in between um, um, places like Cyprus and Turkey uh, that are well-known, well, they kept talking about how it took millions of years for those to, to actually develop. Well, there's a spot. There, where there's a tree that fossilized, 300 foot tree that fossilized across all those layers in one second. So we know that took one second to develop. Wow! But the tour guys have been telling people it took millions of years to develop. Right. So there's lots. Of, there's a tremendous amount of. of so are
0: you new Earth, new universe sort of thing.
1: I mean, I, I think it's th- a few thousand years old. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I don't believe, uh, for many reasons. I think um, because if you look factually, it doesn't back it. Uh, if you look even historically, it doesn't back it, and so yeah. So I, I believe that at least um, life on Earth uh, has only been around for a few thousand years. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. And
0: uh, so. Well, I appreciate your time, man. Absolutely. This has been awesome. So, y- so you and Hayes can be sitting there watching a movie and. Uh, uh, window blinds go up and down y'all just look <laughs> and then go back to the movie
1: <laughs> if it does occur we would do that um you know it, like i said we get so used to it that the noises and things we don't even flinch anymore yeah because you know, we know it's not going to hurt us right um so you know it, it's it, it's amazing kind of a fun house a lot of history uh that's why they have the ghost tours in charleston right. there are a lot of ghosts right there's been a lot Did of they ha- know about your place uh, we haven't let them come through. There's, there's gotcha. a lot of people. We actually had a, a group from a group called uh, Afar. There was, um, they're like travel, and leisure, and conde nast magazines. Uh, they did a, a ghost thing in our house. Um, they brought people from around the country. That they do more of an inside stay tour within within cities. Right. And so they spent, uh, you know, a day at our house. Yeah. And, and, but but overall, we don't. You know, we're not on the on the ghost tour. Right. Um, right. But they said, you know, because a lot of people died in Charleston wars and feuds, oh, yeah. and families killing each other from from Piazza to Piazza, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I guess maybe that's why. Yeah,
0: yeah, yep. So.
1: All right. Well, happy Halloween.